This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South Soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Mouths of South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer. I'm Eric Quintana. He is Sam Franco. And joining us this week, Kyle Soto, a fellow writer for Dirty South Soccer. Kyle, welcome to the DSS, or the DSS, the MOTS Airwaves, if you will. I appreciate you guys having me on. How's it going? Tell people who you are in case they might not know who you are. Yeah, so um, I write for Dirty South Soccer, obviously. I do the match recaps, um, so home and away games. I've been writing for the website for about two years now, and you know this is my first time on the Mouse of the South, so it's glad to make my debut, I guess. Yeah, man, definitely glad to have you on. And Sam, they know who you are, so no need to follow. Yeah, I'm all hat at this point. <laughs> uh, two, 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 nothing loss for Atlanta United against uh, Nashville, and it really, it's really it's a one nothing loss. That last goal, you know, it sucks, but still counts. Uh, but obviously, not as impactful as it's not a two two nothing loss that. Uh, that uh, would hit as as a normal two nothing loss, uh, but regardless, look, it's a it's a team that uh, obviously it's not a great start for uh, Gonzalo Pineda, and it's a uh, it's an effort that was uh, it seems strange coming off of what uh, we saw with Valentino, how how you know everything kind of ran smoothly in the well ran smoother I guess in the attack, how we had you know this four game win streak going on, and uh, you know you go up against a team like Nashville who who isn't terrible, it isn't bad, and, and but it's also not the best team in the league either, and uh, and you kind of you're left scratching your head. Yeah, thoughts, I would guys. say that. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say that for sure, especially when you're coming off a four-game winning streak, when you beat, you know, some some decent teams, uh, and to come, uh, you know, back home, uh, play Nashville, and, and you know, dominate the possession, particularly in the second half, and not really be able to get anything out of it, uh, just just frustrating, uh, especially when you know, again, you've won four games in a row under an interim manager. The new manager comes in, and the team doesn't look super great. Uh, in the first match with the new manager in charge. So you're kind of like, well, did we need to bring in a new manager? Obviously, that is a joke. I think even, um, you know, the the, the biggest uh, skeptic of anybody hiring a, a new manager would tell you that, uh, you know, Rob Valentino and he himself would tell you that he probably wasn't ready for a full-time gig. So that's, uh, you know, another discussion for another day. But, uh, you know, for, for the team to play the way that they did, uh, didn't look too much different from what we've been seeing, honestly. And I think that's one, you know, one thing that we said on the on the podcast last uh, episode was that you know we don't want uh, too much to be changed because they've looked good. Uh, this game was really just a result of you know not not really being able to put anything of substance together and not being able to finish chances. Uh, yeah. So I look at I look at this match and and it's yeah same vein as as you uh, Sam. Uh, I think my the big takeaway I got is that uh, Sadej is is probably not going to be the guy uh, that you want at that kind of number eight position moving forward. Um, it, it doesn't, at least based off the game against Nashville, it doesn't really look like he 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 might be perfectly suited there. I don't know if that's necessarily a surprise. Uh, 
the goal that was given up, he's really just kind of covering space as opposed to covering a man. And then the other thing I noticed, which I think is kind of getting overlooked because um, Sadich seems to be kind of like the guy that the, the culprit here, Barco also doing nothing in that, in that, in that, uh, in that run of play. Um, I think Barco does a little bit more defending than maybe he's, he's, he, that he's, than he's doing there. And it's maybe, look, it maybe it still turns into a goal, but it's not, maybe not as open, not as clear cut a chance as, as it looked for, for Nashville in that moment, right? In that, right in that moment, he's essentially, you know, marking the same sort of space in, 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 in a rather different, in a different direction than uh, Sadich, but he basically is covering nobody. Sadich is at least, he's got the man in front of him. Uh, but if Barco's at least playing some kind of defensive, in some kind of defensive mindset in that in that moment, uh, maybe that goal doesn't happen. Maybe it just it doesn't come as easy for Nashville in that moment. Uh, it's just a I, I, I'm not going to say that that's on Pineda. I think Barco has shown that he's not he's not one that loves to get back defensively, but uh, or or he's not one to be a defensive a defensive minded player. But um, in that moment, we kind of needed him to be and. Uh, and it kind of falls all, all on on Sadich because he's the guy that should be kind of covering that space, but he's trying to cover two defenders at the same time. And then he himself is not actually doing a good job defending in that moment. Um, so it's it's kind of like a it's kind of like a triple whammy, if you will. And uh, but I mean, that was the difference. That was the difference in the match. That was the difference in in uh, in you know in Atlanta United even having a chance to uh, kind of take away at least a point in this. And um, it's frustrating because. You know, there's other issues with Atlanta United against Nashville, specifically in on the attacking end. Uh, but those, you feel like maybe that was just an off game because you know Joseph Martinez is going to score. You know that Luis Araujo is going to at some point put it all together and, and get comfortable and, and you know find the back of the net a few times. Uh, Moreno, you know, is going to do the things that he's doing. Barco's even going to look. Assuming he's going to continue to be the same player he's been in the last format or, you know, before Nashville the last four matches, you know, you know, he's going to continue to do things. The, the, the attack I'm not as worried about uh, at this point, it's more the midfield and kind of like how, mm-hmm. how Atlanta United kind of solidifies not having Sosa, um, having to lie on, on, on Sadich and, and how that kind of goes moving forward. Yeah, um, if I can just say something like real quick. Uh, personally, I think a big part of it was just the team setup. And Sadich kind of had a tough task, I think. I mean, he was basically playing in that role by himself. And if you you were talking about the goal that Atlanta conceded, the first goal. Um, and, you know, obviously he wasn't anywhere near the player, but walks, has to step up. And that creates a space for the run in behind. So I think moving forward, the team should look at another type of setup where there's another midfielder in there. And obviously, you know, with Ibarra out, Mo Adams is out, Sosa's out for a while. Um, it's just kind of tough right short now. on options, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think, I believe Mo Adams and Ibarra are going to be coming back pretty soon. I'm not sure exactly when, but it'll be interesting to see how things kind of change with those guys coming back into the team. Yeah, and the war of attrition is obviously going to affect a team like Atlanta United uh, that is, you know, paying a lot of money to – and a lot of, you know, allocating a lot of their cap resources to a smaller amount of players than like other teams might. You know, you look at the way that, um, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, but the Jurgen Dom contract, you know, mm-hmm. the Brad Guzan can- contract, like a lot of the Atlanta United's money is, you know, being spent 
on fewer players than like, you know, maybe other teams would in terms of spreading it out. So anytime you take injury hits like Atlanta United has, especially the ones that you just railed off there, Kyle, in the midfield, uh, you know, it's, it's going to hurt. And say it's, you know, as, as Eric was kind of saying, um, might not be the guy for the job and, and, and even, you know, Atlanta United might not have put him in the best position, obviously. So with, with the injuries that you have, it's like, I, I liked Kyle's suggestion of maybe, you know, you got to tweak your formation a little bit. You got to give him some help uh, in that, you know, midfield, especially because a guy like Sosa uh, was, was kind of a, a guy that almost in a sense, like a Darlington Nagby where you didn't see a lot of what he did on the stat sheet, but it was very important you know, Sosa very much a player in that vein. So losing that, uh, I think, affects the team a lot more than it would even just on the stat sheet. So definitely going to be interesting to see how Atlanta United deals with uh, the injuries there, particularly because depth isn't a strong point in a league where, you know, your salary cap definitely hinders what you can do in a lot of situations. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, based off the limitations you have, Injury wise, uh, and then just positionally, I'm not sure how I'm not sure what the answer is. I like I, I'm not a, I'm not the you know, I'm not the world's greatest tactician, but I just I don't know. I mean, it'd be it'd be great to have Heinemann back, I can tell you that much right now. Um, it would it's I, I'm 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 not nervous because it's just one match, and over the course of the last four, we've seen Atlanta United you know do well. Um, and again, I think that Atlanta has a better attacking game. And this is at least, you know, you're coming away with a draw. Uh, I, I, against better teams, I think we're going to get exposed um, if this continues to be kind of what we do. Now, it's just one match. Pineda has plenty of time to, you know, tweak things, figure things out. Um, at this point, we're looking at, you know, at Lane United just hoping to make the playoffs. Uh, and then based off the last, you know, outside of Nashville, the last four matches, we were hoping that maybe this could, could kind of propel Lane United to, you know, to, to, you know, take, get, to get some of those home or at least one of those home playoff matches. And that's still very much in the picture. Um, there's nothing to, there's nothing to suggest that that couldn't happen. And um, it's just a matter of Pineda kind of figure he's get, look, he's got a job. This is his job. Um, and uh, hopefully he's the kind of guy that can figure it out moving forward. I, again, I look, I look at a guy like Luis Araujo and I'm just thinking he's, he's really close to what I think Atlanta United needs uh, right now. You know, it, I, I love the way he plays, the way he attacks. I think he's very cool. I keep hearing the, the pity comparisons and I'm like, look, pity, pity. I think I said it last week too. It's like pity would rocket a ball into like the third, the 30th row. And I is at least relatively close. He's going to knock him in. He's just, I, I feel like he's, it's just a matter of time before um, he starts becoming one of the more dangerous strikers or dangerous shooters i should say you know when it comes to shots outside the box um because it looks like he's got that capability it looks like he's he's just a, a little bit off right now and that hopefully that 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 comes and that's part of atlanta United's arsenal moving forward because if you're talking about you know what this what this atlanta team looks attacking wise and i i'm pretty sure i said this last week too but you got moreno who's got the the capability of shooting from outside. You've got Araujo, who's got the same capabilities, it looks like. Um, Barco, who can kind of do a little bit of everything. Joseph on the inside. Bar uh, uh, Bello and, and, and Lennon on, on either side, putting in crosses and, and you know, hopefully giving Joseph a, a nice aerial threat. You know, this team is an attacking team that can really hurt you if, if it, you know, if, if things go right. Now, defensively, it's, that's where the issue comes. But 
again, that's for Gonzalo Pineda to kind of figure out for us. Yeah, and I think that's the thing too, like looking at Pineda. And I think when the hire was announced, I think one thing I did was try to go watch some, you know, even just like attacking clips of Seattle Sounders and like how they put together their attack, you know, how they had been doing those things. Cause obviously, you know, that's where he was being groomed to take this managerial position with Atlanta United. And I think, you know, obviously like just even this year, like looking at that team this year and how they're built, they remind me a lot of 2018 Atlanta United in their ability to, you know, seamlessly transition from defense to attack and hit those counterattacks really, you know, strongly. So you look at a team like Seattle and how they're able to, to, to do that kind of thing. And it just seems like that's obviously what I think Gonzalo Pineda wants to bring to Atlanta United. The problem is obviously we've talked about it with the depth. They just don't have kind of the, that depth up and down the roster right now to really be able to play that seamlessly. And we talked about this almost uh, in the beginning of the Frank DeBoer era, where you look at like that Dutch, style that total football which wasn't exactly what Frank DeBoer was bringing to the table but the one thing we talked about was the ability of players in their own position to be able to do other things and I think that's a a big part of what Atlanta United was kind of able to do in 2018 and what you kind of need to get back to in the system of sort of playing through the attack that the way that Atlanta United wants to you know you have to obviously have the players to do so. And I think obviously Gonzalo Pineda is also going to want to do things his way. So that's going to be interesting to see how he gets this roster to do that. And if it's not with the players on this roster, then it'll be interesting to see going into next season, especially because when you get hired in the middle of a season, it's very hard to imprint what you want to do. You almost kind of have to take what the team was doing that was successful and keep it going because you haven't had time to sort of, have any sort of say on how the roster is built mm-hmm. and one tough. thing i'll say one thing i'll say about um Araujo joining the team is just i feel like he you know he complements the other attackers pretty well um and they seem to be building that chemistry as you know they keep getting more playing time and working together but i think you need to figure out everything behind the attack i mean those guys they're pretty fluid and they, they interchange a lot but like like we said earlier you just got to kind of figure out that back line um and i was also kind of impressed about you know, the, the formation change during the game. And like, I feel like that kind of hints towards what we could maybe see in the future, even though Pineda said they never even practiced that in training. So it kind of shows that, you know, the team can kind of flip on a flip on a switch like that. Well, it shows that he's at least flexible in game mm-hmm. and he's at least willing to make those changes in game. Um, I think that uh, that's obviously a good sign because I feel like we've, we've been frustrated by that in the past. The formation and wasn't really all that much different from what Valentino uh, implemented it during you know during his time as interim. At that I, I was actually not necessarily surprised. Um, I was surprised. Well, I wasn't surprised at this, but what I did hear uh, before the match on the the Spanish broadcast was Barco talking about the level of freedom he had. Um, you know, Joseph has a lot of freedom. You know, you know, uh, I think Moreno has a lot of freedom to. Well, and he's not even not, it's not so much freedom, but he's asked to drop back um, a lot more. And I think I, I'm wondering if between Araujo, Barco, Moreno, there was too much freedom implemented. Um, because at, at times they were, it just seemed like guys were out of position. Um, you know, it just made it very easy for for Nashville to kind of either um, defend because you know, say you had you were overloaded on one side. 
in the attack or, or you were, you were at a position defensively. Um, if you, just the mannerisms and I look at, I look at Barco in, in the moment, the goal scored by Nashville, uh, the first goal. Um, I, I look at that moment and I'm thinking, man, that does look like he's playing with a lot of freedom. Like he doesn't have to necessarily defend. And maybe that wasn't emphasized enough. And maybe he did just, he was just super attack, attacking minded. And so you just, I just sit there and wonder, like maybe, maybe just based off how Atlanta United's played the past four matches before Nashville, maybe, maybe Panetta went in there and said, you know what? I like it. Keep playing with the, with the level of freedom that you were playing in because it did look like they were playing with a lot of freedom under, under Valentino, uh, but maybe they went a little too far in that direction against Nashville and not having a solidified midfield uh, kind of was the difference in not only how, potent their attack was but how how kind of how they struggled defensively and and just how little help they seemed to give um Sadich who 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 was going to need it look he, I'm not saying he's, he's he's a bad player but uh this is a tough spot to put someone like him in considering he's the third maybe even the fourth choice right now uh because of injury in that position so look it's it's he can only do he can only play as well as he, as 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 he plays but at the same time as 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 Pineda moving forward you got to look at the limitations in the, at that position in that part of the field and like we said earlier how do how how does Pineda look at the this tactically formationally and and kind of adjust to kind of give him some help you said something that intrigued me a minute ago talking about like the formation not looking uh you know super different or anything than what they had been playing under Rob Valentino. And it's almost like, yeah, is that out of necessity? Like I was talking about, I mean, it, 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 like, it, I didn't, I didn't look at it change think, too much. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't look at it and think, Oh, well, there's no change between, no, I, that's not how I saw it. I just, you know, I, I didn't, I don't know what, if I expected anything, I didn't expect anything drastic because they had been playing well the last four matches. Uh, but it, it, I, I, it was just it was just something to note that the formation stayed the same, um, but that the that the that the play that the quality seemed to dip for whatever reason. And so figuring out why you had that dip and look, you can't put it all on Sadich. I mean, I know we're crapping on Sadich a little bit too a, a lot here, but um, you know you didn't score any goals, so that's that's on the attack. That's on you know what what Atlanta United go, is going forward. So it, you know it's not just on him. Um, you don't win a game you know, just on the, on the shoulders of one player. So there's more to it. Um, whether, whether, and that's what I wonder now going into, you know, this, this stretch for Atlanta United where, where they can kind of take a breath a little bit and kind of reassess, you know, how do you, how do you handle uh, the issues in front of you? Um, and with the limitations of the roster, I'm not sure, but Again, that's the job for Medina. I'm I'm looking forward to see how he progresses because right now, because look, I with with his hire, it's the first, it's the first really he's a he's a name within MLS, but not outside of MLS. And uh it's like the first non-massively big splash of a hire that Atlanta United's made in in the front office. So you you wonder how this is gonna go. This is kind of this is not uh this is not the way Atlanta United has done it in the past. I'm not saying it's a bad way. I actually applaud the, the, the decision to, to hire someone with an MLS, hire one of the best um, assistant coaches out there in the league and, you know, give him his opportunity to kind of shine considering the last two, you know, world renowned, whatever's just haven't, well, you know what I mean, but haven't really panned out. 
Um, I also just want to note real quick that the so Nashville's in third in the East, and the four the four teams that Atlanta played during that four game win streak it was um, Columbus, LAFC, Toronto, and DC. And I, th I think Nashville is just a lot better of a team than those teams, so that might have definitely played a part. I mean, Pineda's only been with the team for about three or four days now. I mean, that was you know a game time, so I guess it's been about a week now. But that's definitely something to consider. Um, and, you know, Orlando's coming up next, and Orlando is still flying. They're second in the East. So that's definitely something that he's got to think about when, you know, these guys are – and I don't want to jump ahead here, but, you know, the, the guys who are going away for international duty, those are all pretty – three of the four of those guys are pretty core to the team. So that's something he's going to have to deal with as well. Yeah, that's the thing that's just so, so tough about coming in middle of the season. You know, I, I said this earlier, but, you know, <clears throat> making your imprint – on a team is just so tough when they've already had, you know, a training camp, you know, they've already had, um, you know, all of, all of these practices under Gabriel Heinze slash, you know, Rob Valentino, um, you know, in terms of what the players are hearing, what the players are being told to do all these things. So it's going to be very tough to judge anything that Gonzalo Pineda does in this sort of, you know, first half of a season, if you will, for Atlanta United, you know, you, you obviously hope that Atlanta United continues to play well, or at least the way they were playing in that four game winning streak, you hope they make the playoffs. You hope, you know, that there are good signs of improvement, but until he gets that off season workout, you know, regimen or whatever, he gets that camp, he gets all of these things where he can imprint his vision on this team. It's just going to be very hard to judge what he does un until, you know, he gets that time. It's definitely still early, and and how a, a a manager like him changes things, adjusts um, week to week, get match to match. You know that that also says a lot about the kind of manager he's going to be. Um, Atlanta United right now in ninth place in the East, twenty seven points behind Columbus, who also has twenty seven points. Um, seventh place in that you know last playoff spot, uh, DC United with thirty points. So look, the goal's still very much attainable. You got Atlanta United getting twenty seven points, Orlando City with second place with thirty five. So really still very early to kind of I, I think what we're most frustrated about is is that you know you had this four game win streak and you were kind of riding high and, and then you kind of got brought back down to earth by by Nashville um and it, and it was it was a it was a match where you, you you at least toward the end there you thought maybe we'll come away with a draw uh and that didn't happen uh you know <laughs> I'll I think that's the most frustrated I've ever seen Joseph Martinez at the end of a match ripping his shirt pretty much in half um and uh, well, there's a reason that he is you know symbolized by an angry emoji <laughs> oh for sure oh for sure but yeah. you, you saw you, you saw Usho miss one like i mean this this game wasn't that far off as as mm -hmm. rough as it looked it wasn't that far off from being it was uh, close to being from, a draw from, like very very from close. getting from getting a result you know from atlanta getting a result uh, of some kind so it, it's you know i i it's frustrating but i also am not I'm not, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm the doom and gloom type of guy on this on this podcast, and I'm not doom and gloom right now. Um, even based off that result, I think there's some there's some issues that that Pineda's got to look at and figure out how to solve. But uh, I I think he can do it. I think there it was are, very nice to, in terms of not it. being doom and gloom though. It was very nice after you know Heinze. I mean, the, the whole Heinze era was was sort of like a doom and gloom, and that Valentino spurt 
of wins and playing well really sort of, I think, gave every Atlanta United fan that, that sort of air of optimism. You know, the dark cloud's gone. They're just kind of playing free now. Now that they have a, you know, non-interim manager, maybe they get things get back to a little more normalcy, whatever that means. But I, I think that, you know, being an Atlanta United fan right now, it's, it's kind of almost playing with house money for the rest of the season, like if that makes sense, just because – you know, the expectations, especially the way they were playing under Heinze, weren't great. So at this point, anything that happens, especially if they make the playoffs, big bonus. You know, I, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued to see how they play down the stretch here. Atlanta, I guess, 12 days, at least from the, the last game uh, before Orlando City to uh, kind of recover and figure out how to, how to take on uh, Orlando City. Um, you've got George Bello and Miles Robinson who are going to go off to uh, World Cup qualifying. Um, the octagonal? Isn't that what it's oh, called now? Yeah. Octagonal, yeah. So, yeah. Octagonal, <laughs> I think it's called. Um, so, I mean, look, I, I – we'll see how this goes. Oh, Eric's about to say <laughs> that the U.S. isn't going to make the World Cup. I can see it in his face. No, I mean, look, if there's – if there, look, look, this is the best they've looked in a long time. I'm not going to – I'm not going to be the one to say, no, they've got no chance. If they don't, it would be – gosh, this would be worse than last time. It's always a letdown if they but don't. But, I mean, no, it feels like no this chance. time, you know, they've got this no new chance. – They've got this new era of players. You know, they've got this 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 new wave of very young and exciting talent. Uh, it was so awesome to watch them win the Gold Cup with sort of a, a B squad, if you will. Uh, and it's going to be very interesting to see how they integrate those players from the Gold Cup team. So like your Miles Robinsons, you know, how, how those guys are integrated in to the squad. And I would say this, I would say right now, and this might be – looking at things through red and black glasses, but, and I guess gold as well, but I'd put miles Robinson right next to Brooks right now. Like that, that's my starting center back pairing. I think I if you're not starting, I think if Burhards was not starting miles Robinson, I think there's, I think we riot. Honestly. But that's what I'm saying. Like, like I, mean, I don't want to, I don't want to look at this from an Atlanta like, United like, podcast perspective. He's, He's the best defender in MLS, and I think they're going to be hard-pressed to find more than, like, five people to, that would that would counter you. And if they're going to counter you, they're probably from whatever player, uh, whatever team the player is from. Like, it's – it's there's no well, chance. That's what I'm saying. You put him next to Brooks. If Miles Robinson continues to develop at the clip he's developing at, that could be your Team U.S. center back pairing, you know, for the next two World Cups. Fingers crossed. We got to make the next one first. Of course. And that's the thing. I mean, it, it, I agree with what you said, though, Eric. If they don't make it this time, way more disappointing than it was last time. Because last time was sort of like a weird in-betweener, like getting some of the phasing out of certain players, bringing in new guys. It's not an excuse. They should have made the tournament. They should always make the tournament in CONCACAF. Yeah. I know that CONCACAF has gotten much better, but ultimately USA and Mexico – should never be missing World Cup qualification from this region. Absolutely not. They're facing El Salvador, Canada, and Honduras. Um, El Salvador on the second, uh, Canada on the fifth, and then Honduras on the eighth. Um, and then we will see the return of George Bello and Miles Robinson. I would seriously doubt that if they're if either of those if, if George if George Bello or Miles Robinson play specifically. In that game against Honduras, I would seriously doubt that uh, that they play um, they play against Orlando City. So I, I I'm you know we'll see. I wouldn't look. I if I'm if I'm 
Burhalter, I'm not really worried about that. Um, and as a as a as as good as this U.S. men's national team has looked, I am also not going to be all that disappointed to see them play in that match, and then have to skip Orlando City. Um, as much as I'll probably be upset the day of, I'm not going to be mad when you know. Assuming the U.S. men's national team wins that game, it's the eternal so. struggle of your club team versus your national team. I mean, you know, but as, yeah, as, it, as, but when it, when it's your guys and your guy and, and the team itself is playing that well, you know, you're 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 okay with it. Well, I'm saying you're proud you're of them okay for going it. to the yeah. U.S. stage or the international stage and playing well and representing their country well. But then again, you're like as a Lane United fan, you're like, well, crap, we have our biggest rival coming up on the game, and we're gonna maybe be without our best defender for it because he was playing for the U.S. So. I mean, it's it's a constant struggle as a fan, but you know, you, you take the you take the W's just as much as you take the L's. You know, if if the U.S. can get qualified for the World Cup because Atlanta had to not have Miles Robinson for a game against Orlando, so be it. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Joseph and Ronald are also going to be traveling a lot more than those guys. I feel like. I mean, so who knows if those guys are probably going to feature next time as well. It's interesting too because you look at, at like the South American like players specifically like traveling, like you look at like what the English Premier League has done right now, which has kind of, you know, pissed off a lot of players that aren't going to be able to leave their club teams over there. Like Edinson Cavani, for example, with um, Manchester United, like the, the EPL basically said, if you're in a quote unquote red zone COVID country, uh, you don't have to like, you know, release your players or whatever. So no Edinson Cavani for Uruguay, for example, like it's interesting how, you know, MLS doesn't have any sort of policy like that, obviously. Um, you know, Joseph is kind of free to do whatever he wants, although the EU did just ban U.S. travelers again. So it's just one of those things where, um, you know, good for Joseph and, and, and good for, you know, guys to get to go and represent their countries. But there always is the worry. And Joseph did, I guess, already have a bout with COVID um, before the uh, Copa America. So you're or at least uh, testing positive or, or some sort of, contact tracing or whatever it was so he's he's dealt with he tested positive didn't he i thought it was i'm pretty sure he tested positive yeah 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 but there's you know all sorts of other stuff that goes along yeah i gotcha Mm -hmm. any final thoughts gentlemen before we take off just excited you know for the for the future of the atlanta united under gonzalo pineda not exactly sure what it's going to look like but you know it's it's just refreshing to see a team actually playing and and even if they didn't score any goals you know the intent was obviously there it was positive play for a lot of the match against Nashville for Atlanta United so I think that you know as an Atlanta United fan you're you're in a state of optimism and like I said earlier it's 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 the rest of the season it's just sort of kind of glass half full you know whatever we get is a bonus really because of how poorly the season started and how just negative and toxic the kind of environment and energy was around the club with Gabriel Heinsohn in charge now that that's been lifted it, it's just it's it's a more fun to support the team when they look like they're having fun <laughs> and it seems like that's kind of what's going on right now so uh, it's just it's just a way more positive vibe being an Atlanta United fan right now than it was say two months ago. Mm-hmm. Definitely agree there. And um, I, I'll just say about Pineda, like, you know, like you said earlier, Sam, like he, he's come in during the middle of the season, obviously into a tough situation. Otherwise he wouldn't be coming in now. So I think it's important to remember that. And maybe next season is, you know, when the pressure really starts to build up, I guess, but obviously the goal is to make the playoffs this season. Um, and yeah, just got to kind of see how it plays out for the rest of the season. Even, so. even if he doesn't make the playoffs, uh, 
unless it's like a just monumental collapse mm-hmm. um, where it's just the decisions are just mind boggling, which I don't expect that to be the case. Uh, you still give them a, like a full pass on anything that happens this year. Um, you're right. It's not until next year that, and, and even next year you're thinking, okay, we, we, you might even give them the full year next year before you even, you know, assuming it continues to be bad or, or whatever, not continues, but assuming it gets bad and stays bad and doesn't seem to get better. I think you still even give them the full years to maybe bring in some of his own players, um, guys that really fit the, the style of play that he wants to implement so on and so forth. And, and, you know, you're talking about, I, to me, you're talking about a full year. I, I don't mind, especially with the direction of Leonard is gone. I definitely don't mind uh, them kind of giving them the same sort of leash they've given everyone else in the past. I don't think that that needs to change just, you know, not that it would, but not, I don't think that needs to change because he's an MLS guy or anything like that. So you got to stop the revolving door too, man. Exactly. Like you have At some, some point you got to, you got to have some, you got to stick with it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're constantly firing coaches, you're never going to be able to implement any sort of consistent system. So Not only that, but players aren't going to want to come because it's going to be right. like, okay, well, if I'm going to keep getting a new coach every other year, then, you know, what's the, you know, what, I'm going to go somewhere that has a little more stability. Exactly. You know, so on and so forth. I do, will say I am very excited for Luis Adamusho. I'm waiting for his moments. I'm waiting for his time to shine. The way he glides past players, the way, he's, the way he's not afraid to take shots. I'm, you I'm, just want to say that name. I'm I'm very excited about the prospects of what uh, Luis Araujo could be with yeah. this team specifically, and then it, just combining him with like Joseph and Barco and, and Moreno and everything else. This team, oh gosh, at, at its best, this team could be just on. I mean, who needs it. Cristiano Ronaldo when you've got Luis Araujo? You know, uh, Ronaldo went to the wrong United. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that does it uh, does it for us. We'll see you about next week with no game. Um, but we'll try to get something out there. Um, otherwise, we'll see you after the Orlando City match. Until I'll talk next a time. U.S. men's national team, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Time will tell. Time is a massive resource that I don't have these days. <laughs> but uh, we'll, see how, we'll see how that goes. Um, all right, until next time. See you later, Atlanta. See you.